welcome to Red Couch Manx, your Boxing Day edition. I'm Vivek Jacob, joined by Carl Mascarenas, and today we are breaking down Manchester United's 2-2 draw with Leicester City. Marcus Rashford opened the scoring in the 23rd minute. Harvey Barnes scored a great equalizer in the 31st. Bruno Fernandes looked to have won it in the 79th, but a Tuan Zebe own goal, which was deflected off a Jamie Vardy shot in the 85th, meant United have to settle for a point. Carl, an exciting game to start off the Boxing Day fixtures. I'm pleased with the performance, but not satisfied with the result. How would you sum up your feelings? Yeah, you know, there was there was a lot to take in in that game. I mean, there was a lot I took in the day before with all my Christmas meals, but <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you did the same as well. Compliments of the season. With the game, there was so much on display. You had, you know, quite the tactical battle in the first half. United, from what I could tell, had three different formations in this game. And at the end of the day, I think it it is two points dropped for us after the type of performance. We didn't trail in this game. We actually scored the first goal. So we already broke one of those trends. And we I was hoping that we would get the three points and put some pressure, scoreboard pressure on Liverpool. It wasn't meant to be. However... A good point away from home, especially seeing some of the other results that have taken place as well. You mentioned United taking the lead for a change. They dropped two leads. They scored the first goal to go up 1-0. They went up 2-1 later, but they had a great chance to go up as early as the second minute, just about 70 seconds in. That is an inexcusable miss from Marcus Rashford. I mean, he headed the ball like almost like he wasn't expecting it, almost like he didn't know what to do with it. There was no, you know, torque with his neck. There was no sense of directing it. Nothing. I mean, it was a shocking miss to me. Yeah, it's one of those, like, I'm sure if that chance came like five, ten minutes later, that would have been in the back of the net. I just think that it was just the uh, the Christmas Day hangover. Uh, nothing else I can put it down to because you saw how... Do you think he's a good header of the ball? No, he definitely has some some work in that area. That's definitely his weakest point of his goal-scoring abilities, which is why I'm not, I'm not you know, overly surprised. I'm not also going to focus too much on it. It was just a miss. And he put the next chance away with a plum in the corner of the net, placed it. Quite a, I mean, quite he a, better finish that one. Yeah, it was a very accomplished finish, I must say. So, you know what? If we look back on this now, because the result was 2-2, I'm pretty sure if, it, if United had won that game 2-1, we wouldn't even be talking about it. But it does suck because it was such a a blatant miss, right? Yeah, no, I, I thought it was a terrible miss. Looking at it from the perspective of Marshall and Rashford, just wanting to see them be more clinical. I think we can both recognize that in general, finishing is a big weakness for them. Marshall this season has really struggled. Rashford, I think that's the biggest weak point of his game, finishing in general. There was another chance that he had in the 60th minute where he was put through on goal. And the commentators were raving about the save that Kasper Smichel made. But to me, he hit it way too close to the keeper. Just the way Schmeichel was positioned, he really didn't have to do much. It was more just a question of him reacting to the power with which that was hit. I will admit, Rashford put a great deal of pace on that ball. 
but that, that was a situation where a better finish, a more accurate placement, and that's another goal for United. So when I look at the two points dropped in this match, the finishing just needed to be better. Yeah, you know what? That I I also agree with you. I don't think Cashman Michael did anything spectacular with that that save. You know, as a goalkeeper, you're told to always keep your hands bes- beside you and out to make yourself look as big as possible. And Schmeichel did that. The credit that I will give him is that he had an extremely strong wrist. It didn't just hit his wrist and go in the net. If Rashford had placed that a little better and taken off some of the power, that would have been a, a goal. I have no doubts about that. And you kind of saw exactly that happen with Bruno just 18, 19 minutes later where he placed it in the corner. Yes, he scuffed his shot. But at the end of the day, if you put it in the corner, it doesn't matter because the keeper doesn't have that much time to react. Case in point. And guess who made the difference again? Yeah. To tee up that goal. El Matador. That guy. You know what? I was so impressed for somebody sitting on the bench. You know how we talked about it in the Everton game? Rashford came on and he did not look ready at all to come on, right? He had misplaced passes, misplaced runs. You see... Wasn't uh, ready to come on and wasn't ready to score. Start the game, yeah. yeah. So he's he's definitely a slow starter, uh, even though he's usually quick off the blocks. But Cavani, man... This is what you call a seasoned professional. He came on and he was ready to come on. He was ready to go. I know he had the one mishap where he didn't have his boots for one of those games, but he can be forgiven because he did score very, very important goals in that Southampton game. But what was really impressive about the Cavani setup, he started with the back line and then he identified there's a gap between the midfield and the defense. And he found that pocket of space. And this is where I also have written down like, Eric Bai spotted that and gave him the ball extremely quickly. Now, I mm-hmm. cannot emphasize how important that is. I keep talking about tempo day in, day out. Every single episode, you probably hear me say the word tempo at least once. Bai, if he dwells on that pass a little longer, Cavani's somebody's going to mark him and he cannot touch and turn anymore, right? Yeah, That's what afforded him that. And, and I have to commend Bai for giving that pass. And then the rest is just magical. And Bruno... Makes a run. Cavani knows where he's going. Little nice dink with his toe. And uh, the rest is history. Uh, what did you think of the way that play built up? Yeah, I thought it was excellent. Another masterclass for Martial to watch on how he can be impactful without the ball and actually get the ball, right? So many times he is sulking over the fact that he's not getting the ball exactly where he wants it. Yeah. But when you look at Edinson Cavani's movement, he understands how to create space for himself. He understands how to make teammates better. I remember when Robin Van Persie was at United and people would want to talk to him about the goals, about the goals, about the goals. And he was like, two things I take a lot of pride in are teeing up my teammates because I know what my movement can do for them. And even defensively on corners, I know I have a job to do there. Time and time again, when you paid attention to those aspects of Robin Van Persie's game, as much as you appreciated his goal scoring, his ability to hit the ball as sweetly as he could, those plays where he would show deeper and link up play and hold up play and help the build up, or those plays where he's helping defend on free kicks on corners, that's what made him such a great player because you knew his floor was so high. So even when the goals aren't coming, he's still making a positive impact on the team. 
And that's the difference between, say, a Cavani now and an Anthony Marshall. We talked about this. When when Marshall gets a goal, all of a sudden he looks like a different player. He's running at defenders. He's doing everything he can. This, to me, was another anonymous performance from Anthony Marshall. I completely agree with you. I think it's it's interesting because I speak to other Manchester United fans and there's very few fans that sit on the fence when it comes to Martial. You're either all in on him, you look at his potential, you're like, hey, man, this guy is like a star in the making. And then you, you have people on the other side who are like, hey, you know, potential only takes you so far. I think both of us are in agreement where we're probably on on the latter side where like, hey, you know what, it's time to, to start to deliver the goods on a consistent basis because he definitely delivered the goods last season. He had a, a number of goals and you had this healthy competition with Rashford and Martial going goal for goal. I want to see that Martial again where he has the appetite and makes those runs. I'm, I'm tired of just seeing the guy who, when he's been passed by, he doesn't make a follow-up run. And then you can. it's very evident to see that when there's a mistake that's been made, he's on his heels. So you cannot capitalize on this, right? What was the first thing that Cavani did when he came on the pitch? Didn't he chase down Schmeichel and win the ball? Yep. Right? Like You cannot teach that. And I, I really hope Greenwood saw that. Because I'm pretty sure if Greenwood comes off the bench and does that, he's going to be playing a lot more games. Right? None of this lazy, you know, laid-back approach. Please don't look at Marcio. Please don't look at Pogba as role models. Look at Eddie. Look at El Matador. See what he's doing. Yeah, I really hope his professionalism, his intensity, every time he's on the pitch rubs off on these younger strikers because I think he's a perfect role model for them. Obviously, he had that mistake with his Instagram post, which by all accounts looks like an innocent mistake and I'm sure he'll learn from. But outside of that, in terms of training, in terms of understanding how he can help the team, understanding what he brings to the table he's a perfect mentor for them. Now, you mentioned Cavani pressuring Schmeichel. I thought in general, pressing from both sides was a big theme in this match. I look at even early, the eighth minute where David De Gea gets a bobbling ball and doesn't know what to do with it. There were other instances on both sides where defenders, midfielders, goalkeepers had to react quickly because both sides were doing a really good job with the press. Yeah, you you hit the nail on the head. I mean, that was the most evident thing I saw. Like the press from both teams, Leicester, they did not let us get out of our own half. The only person they would allow to have the ball without a very, very immediate press was De Gea. As soon as it went to one of the defenders, they were on us, right? And I thought, you know what? I was a little disappointed in Scott's performance today, Scott McTominay. The way he played against Leeds, the confidence he showed, the attacking agility uh, and attitude was missing today. I thought he was just a little slower than he usually is. And I think he could have made the difference because balls were going into him. If he had that quick turn and he would release, we were on our way because it was clear to see that Leicester committed so many players up front for the press. If you're able to beat it, you're then through, right? And then they're exposed on the back and our pace. I mean, you look at Johnny Evans, not the fastest guy. I must give a shout out to Fofana. I thought he played fantastically well and took care of a lot of situations. They they definitely knew that Bruno was the danger man. But Bruno, as Bruno always does, just finds space all the time. Question for you. So, you know, you talked about the press. 
what did you think of Ole's going with three at the back to begin the game and then his subsequent changes? I thought with the three at the back, it was more wanting players who were comfortable with the ball at their feet. And we've seen over the course of this season, Maguire has become increasingly comfortable. Eric Bailly showed in the last match that he's pretty comfortable with the ball at his feet. And then Victor Lindelof, you know, moving him out wide, I thought he was pretty comfortable as well. I'm actually quite impressed with how he handled defending on that right side because that could have been a big adjustment for him to make. They could have easily said, hey, Victor, Harry, you two have been pretty effective together, so we'll put you in the center and we're going to move Baye out wide. But he took on the challenge and that's some leadership on his part as well. So I was pretty impressed with how they handled it. I think I'm just with you on the point about Scott. He could have been much better, especially the goal that United conceded. It was a fantastic shot by Harvey Barnes. But first off, I'm frustrated with Bruno's giveaway because that was completely unnecessary in that situation. Yeah, he tried tried a cheeky pass through the legs, right? Exactly. So there was no need for that. Fred was right in front of him. He could have played an easy pass back to Fred and trusted Fred to play the, the ball. He didn't do that. So now you've given the ball away. And when Harvey Barnes receives it, for some reason, McTominay is just ball watching. He has to be the one to respond and close him down. And that never happened. You know what I think Scott was was banking on and clearly failed? He didn't think Harvey had a left foot. He didn't think Harvey was going to shoot it on his left. So he gambled and he was waiting for him to go on his right. And then Harvey's like, okay, you're giving me this space. I'm going to go for it. And uh, like we say, right? You don't buy the lottery ticket. You can't win the the lottery. So Mm -hmm. he definitely bought that ticket. That was a fantastic shot with his left foot. And uh, it left De Gea with no chance. Now, you know, I, I'm seeing, you know, on, on some of the, the Manchester United forums, a lot of discussion on how Ole shouldn't have rotated the squad, shouldn't have made these changes. If he had gone with the standard formation, we could have we could have got the result. What is your opinion on some of these fans and including Paul Scholes saying this? I'm perfectly fine with what Solskjaer did. And for those wondering and who are just listening to us and trusting us to deliver the goods and missing out on the match, United made eight changes. You had David De Gea stepping in for Dean Henderson, Luke Shaw in for Alex Tellez, Victor Lindelof uh, for Aaron Wan-Bissaka, Fred for Matic, Scott McTominay for Paul Pogba, Marshall for Cavani, Daniel James for Donny van de Beek and Marcus Rashford for Mason Greenwood. The only move that maybe I disagreed with was Daniel James. I see how he trusted Daniel James after the Leeds United performance. And again, you look at the characteristics of this Leicester side, there are some similar traits to how Leeds United look to attack as well. So I can see the thinking behind it, but... Daniel James was didn't have any kind of part to play in this match. And I was so disappointed when he received the ball in the 50th minute. He tried to make a tough pass to Bruno when he's in a one-on-one situation. When your biggest asset is speed and you've got a one-on-one situation like that with the field open ahead of you and you aren't brave enough to take on that man, there's really no, no need for you to be on the pitch. 
Well, that was his uh, last contribution. I think he got subbed off shortly after that. I will say that this is where I disagreed with Ole. I didn't think he needed to play Daniel James. I thought he showed a little too much respect to Leicester. I think, you know what, if we had played our game, if this, if we had just played the 4-2-3-1 formation, it would have worked for us. He did end up going to that formation when he took Daniel James off and he brought Pogba on. Uh, we went to a back four after that. I think he had Lindelof playing right back until Lindelof had to come off with the back. Uh, his, he's been having some issues with his back and Axel uh, came on for Lindelof. Now, what I wanted to say was as soon as he switched to that 4-2-3-1, this was exactly the same tactics he used against Leicester where in possession, we had a back three where Fred was playing as the third defender. Against Everton. Uh, yeah. Uh, so... Against Everton, it was Matic playing as that third defender. And today, Fred was on the pitch. He was doing that job. And this is where I feel like Scott could have really taken a hold of this game. Because Fred was back there. Leicester didn't know how to fully mark. Scott had the space to to be able to be that driving force and going through. A couple of Leicester players would have to commit to him. And then he's got so many people ahead of him to, to play the ball. Bruno, Martial, Rashford. And this is where I think... Scott needs to take his game to the next level is when he can make that switch in the game from going from a defensive mindset to an attacking, which we've seen against Leeds. He knows it's in, we know it's in his locker. I think he will become a really, really good player. Scott, the next level is obviously what he can bring from an attacking front defensively. Yeah. He made that mistake on the first goal, but he's shown time and time again, what he's capable of in terms of just, locking up opposing midfielders. Now you mentioned switching from defense to attack. And we've talked before about naivety and this United side still growing into who they want to be. And I thought when United conceded the goal, you saw which one? Those two. The the second goal, the the tying goal. You saw both of those characteristics expose them. When Fred gets the ball and United are looking to break, you have to remember it's the 85th minute and you're up 2-1 in that situation. And so when you've got Bruno making a run with two defenders on him, there's no need to attempt that long ball. Fred had a great game. Fred was really effective in his role and did exactly the job that was asked of him. But in a little moment like that, he lost the ball. Leicester come down the pitch. On the right side, there's miscommunication between Luke Shaw and Fred. Actually, I can't even call it miscommunication because there is no communication or else you wouldn't have both both of them out wide, which frees up the space for Iose Perez, who then delivers the ball for Jamie Vardy to equalize. And so little moments like that where a championship team or a real title contender won't make those mistakes, United have cost themselves two points because of it. Yeah, and you know what? We're we're seeing this team grow in front of our eyes, and I think that's an excellent point you you talk about is just having that composure to, you know, seize the moment, right? And this was one of those opportunities. You score a goal in the 79th minute. You just have to see it out. And I think this will be a good learning moment for for everybody on the team. Like, hey, you know what? We know this is in our DNA. If you want to do it, be smart about it and just communicate. I thought Luke Shaw had a fantastic game today as well. There's a lot of good performance today. And so overall, I think 
the performance from the boys was fantastic. Just the result didn't uh, follow. Now, one thing that I wanted to ask you because no episode would be complete without a Paul Pogba mention. Uh, <laughs> what did you think of his performance once he came on in the fifty-third minute? I should express that I I had disappointment in Pogba as well on that second goal because when Fred is running over to Luke Shaw he compounds the mistake that Fred is making because everything is happening in front of him and so he should be able to recognize the danger and help out in that situation there was no effort to get to Iosi Perez. And credit to Perez, it wasn't like, you know, he saw the ball coming and he took a, a touch to see who was... He got that ball in right away. And credit to Jamie Vardy for losing his defender. But again, I thought that was a situation where Pogba could have done more. Overall, I thought he misplaced a few too many passes. I thought he dwelled on the ball a little too long. I think this is something that we've seen in the past as well. He he was an upgrade over Daniel James, I will say that. But overall, I think as a sub, he was just about okay. Yeah, it was, uh, you know, one of those performances that we've come to expect where you go from the extraordinary to the extremely ordinary with uh, with Paul Pogba. I think that stat, that was actually, I know I don't know if you saw that, but at halftime they showed a stat on Bruno Fernandes. Since February 1st of 2020, contribution in terms of goals and assists and and this was before Bruno's goal today and Bruno's number was 30 right 30 and Paul Pogba was three I think it was I think it was two goals and one assist or one goal and two assists I can't remember but uh, it's a pretty damning stat Uh, obviously I know that Paul Pogba was injured didn't play as many games as Bruno but someone of of that mentality that world-class ability that he has in his locker this is why people expect so much more from him right and so i thought that was uh, the perfect stat to summarize paul pogba's time at manchester united i will say at the same time this is not a match where i'll dwell on his performance too much like i don't look at his performance and say oh man it was so subpar that it cost us the match no, no, no. It's just you were you were expecting someone to just inject something to the game at that time because right. we have the ability. You looked at Leicester's bench, you looked at our bench. You know what? If if substitutes were going to make a difference, it was it was only coming from the red side, right? And I think it was mm-hmm. more just from that perspective, you know what, who could make a difference, who can take this game, who can grab it by the scruff of the neck? And it was our team. You saw Cavani do that, clearly. Yeah. So, you know, speaking of all the ups and downs, uh, I think it's a good time to discuss the the Beckham boot and the Cantona collar. Who are who are your nominees or who is your pick for the Beckham boot? Well, I blasted him earlier in this podcast, so I'm going to stick with him. Anthony Marshall, I thought he was extremely poor and offered the team nothing. His substitution probably could have come earlier. I don't know if there's any lingering effects of the groin injury that Cavani had earlier. And and obviously he played uh, the entire match against Everton. But I would have loved to see Cavani come on earlier and maybe make even a bigger impact than he did. Yeah, I have I have no uh, <clears throat> no disagreement there. Martial didn't look interested. He looked like he would rather be finishing his Christmas leftovers than be out on the pitch. So maybe <laughs> uh, maybe with the Beckham boot he'll give it 
He'll get a little bit more time to sit on the bench and uh, just ponder about what he's going to eat. Who is your Cantona caller? I had Bruno Fernandez as my Cantona caller. I thought he was exceptional, but I think the exceptional is more than norm when it comes to him these days. I thought some other good performances from Luke Shaw. You had Eric Bailly with a good performance and also Harry Maguire. So you could have picked from any one of them. What about yourself? For me, it was Harry Maguire. If I'm being completely honest, I thought Bruno's performance today, the goal and assist actually spoke better than the game he had. When I look at his overall performance, especially defensively, with how aggressive he was with the tackling. I thought that was a really irresponsible yellow that he picked up at the end of the first half. There was absolutely no need for it. And it was an emotional foul. Who knows? Maybe if he doesn't have that yellow, when Lester driving up the field, he's able to give a tactical foul. Mm -hmm. So little things like that. And again, he was the one who fouled on that ball from Fred, right? That he couldn't get, couldn't chase down. That could have very easily have been a second yellow and he could have been off the pitch. Right, right. So I thought I thought if someone just looks at the scores and sees, oh, Bruno, another goal, another assist, this guy just doesn't stop. I thought it, it was a little overrated from that sense. And so I, I wouldn't I didn't even have him as one of my candidates. But Harry Maguire, to me, you look at the first goal. He wasn't involved in that at all. You look at the second goal, he was the first line of defense. So he's there for that ball that's coming, you know, usually in between the goalie and that six-yard box. And he was there to block it out. Obviously, the ball didn't come there. So positionally, he was absolutely fine. And outside of that, I thought he had an excellent game. I thought, again, he was there with the aerial threat of clearing out balls and driving the ball forward, he's become a really composed presence for United at the back. I have a lot more confidence in him now than when he first came to the club. Yeah, I think uh, obviously after his unfortunate incidents in Greece, he's kind of put that behind him now and he's he's really coming to the fore and being that leader that we wanted him to be with. Um, it looks like no matter who you put with him in defense, there seems to be that communication and he seems to be commanding that back line. And, you know, with no fans in, in the stadium, it, you can start to hear his voice a lot more often now and him barking out orders. And I think that's something that was much needed at the club. So, you know what? Uh, let's go with Harry. I don't think he gets his dues. He definitely got enough boots early in the season, so it's only fair that he gets some Cantona callers as well. Who is your noisy neighbor? You know what? My noisy neighbor would be uh, Fofana, He's the center back. I thought he had an excellent game. Uh, you know that chance you talked about with Daniel James uh, passing it instead of taking on Johnny Evans? Well, there was still some work that needed to be done, and Fofana was the one that intercepted that ball. He also came in with a few crunching challenges. And so overall, I thought his uh, ability to read the game and intercept accordingly was fantastic. And so that's why he would be my candidate. Yeah, I think I can fully agree with you on that. And thank you for bringing home the biggest point that I should have made earlier when I was criticizing James. It was Johnny Evans in front of him. Yep, yep. It, was it not wasn't some... 
So I think that was the thing that frustrated me most. If you don't have the confidence as a speedy guy to run at Johnny Evans so far up the pitch, then you really need to check on yourself. So yeah, Fofana did a good job intercepting the pass because as a defender, if I am looking at that one-on-one situation, I would probably anticipate James taking him on and saying, I need to be there to cover. Yes. But he was able to intercept the pass. As you said, throughout the match, he had really good moments. And, you know, I thought Harvey Barnes was a good candidate uh, as well because in addition to the goal, I thought he was really involved in their press. And we know what Vardy does up top. We know how creative James Madison can be. But I thought Barnes's energy was a big factor in this match as well. I'm with you in giving it to Fafana. Looking at the changes that Solskjaer's made over the last three fixtures, we've seen pretty much wholesale changes throughout the side. What are your expectations now going into United's next match uh, against Wolves? Another big match. What are your expectations going into that? Yeah, the good thing about this early morning kickoff that we had today was that United get a a decent amount of rest because they're only playing the late fixture on Tuesday, December 29th. So so a good three-day rest. Clearly, I can see Ole making a couple of changes. I would like to know if Aaron Wan-Bissaka will be back for that because he wasn't able to play today, right? Mm -hmm. And so that's one that is on my radar. I think Luke Shaw will continue at the back. I don't think Tellers will come in for that game. So you're back for... I mean, now once again, is Lindelof going to be ready to play? It doesn't look like it to be to get a turnaround that quickly. So it looks like Eric Bailly is probably going to play again. So your back four is going to look like Luke Shaw, Maguire, Bailly, and it's either going to be Aaron Wan-Bissaka or it's going to be Axel Twanzebe, right? Right. David De Gea is going to stay in net unless, once again, he was holding his back in that game. So <laughs> I, I think he'll be fine. And then it'll be interesting to see in midfield if he... If he sticks with Fred and Scott, or is he going to go with Matic? Personally, I would stick with Fred and Scott because Wolves are a team that like to run in behind you. Matic isn't the most mobile. The other, so that that would be my you know seven already. And then up top, obviously you got Bruno in the middle. You're going to have Rashford. Uh, I think you will have Cavani. I don't think Martial is going to start that game. Most likely Mason. I think will play in that game as well. So you'll have Mason. So you'll have Rashford, Bruno, Mason with Cavani up top. So 4-2-3-1. Yeah, I lean towards what you're saying. And in part because Wolves haven't been as good as they were last season. One big factor for them is the unfortunate absence of Raul Jimenez. Does his absence change your perception of them on an attacking front? I think the only perception that gets changed for me is their attacking ability in the air. Raul Jimenez seemed to his his head and the ball seemed to be magnetic one for one another because no matter where it was in the air, he was able to get on the end of it and, and he, unlike Rashford, is an extremely good header of the ball. Right. So I think that's what they're missing because Wolves, their attacking players are quite short in height, except for Jimenez, right? You've got Fabio De Silva's sorry, Fabio Silva who's pretty short. You've got uh, Podence 
He's also a pretty short guy, but all very nifty and very quick with their feet, which is why, uh, you know what, if I were Eric Bailly, I'd try to make sure that I'm just containing. Please don't go on for any rash tackles because I can easily see a penalty being given because they're so quick with their feet. Yeah, I think in terms of the 11, I'm pretty much with you. I would debate. I think there's a debate to be had again with Fred and Scott versus Fred and Pogba. You know what? I think that United, you're playing at home for God's sakes. Yeah. Pick Paul Pogba. This is a Wolves team that is lacking a little bit in confidence. Mm -hmm. Go for the jugular. Stop trying to respect the opposition too much. I always say respect the opposition, but they're playing against Manchester United at home. And that should count for something. You look at any team going to Liverpool and playing at Anfield where they haven't lost in uh, ages. <laughs> I, I, I've lost count of when the last time they lo- they dropped points uh, yeah. at home. And uh, you need to make it a fortress again. And you know what? It's an evening fixture. That's when Paul seems to want to play. Uh, so uh, let's give it to him. <laughs> yeah. I, I This is a match where I almost... There's, there's no such thing as a must-win this early in the season. But for United to be looked at as that team that's taken the next step, you cannot drop points both against Leicester and Wolves, in my opinion. As you mentioned, being at home, going against this Wolves team that hasn't been able to hit top form this season, I want to see them come out and stamp their authority. I want them to come out and show that, hey, the talent that we have on the pitch can overwhelm you. Speaking speaking of turning the corner, I think United's fixtures, the, correct me if I'm wrong, but I heard the commentators say our next four fixtures are actually at home. So you want to talk about improving your home form, now's a good time to do it, right? We all know how good we are away, but at home, you're playing Wolves and then you got Aston Villa coming up next, uh, who, mind you, have been flying at the moment. In fact, if they win their games in hand, they actually go above us in the table. So, just to give you an idea. Yeah, that Aston Villa one is going to be a big fixture. I mean, all all three of these, right? Leicester, Wolves, Aston Villa, before the big one against Liverpool. I think you need to be rising to the occasion and peaking. The, when we say peaking at the right time, this is exactly the time that United need to be picking up big points. And so, okay. Away to Leicester, a side that, frankly, hasn't done much at home, but has been much better away. But still, they're the ones who are second in the table. You can't complain about one point away. But now, take care of business against Wolves. Take care of business against Aston Villa. And go into that Liverpool match with a big chip on your shoulder. Yeah, I mean, you you think about it. Going to that Liverpool match, getting seven points from from a possible nine... You're you're probably flying pretty high, and in between that, you you're also playing Man City in the League Cup semifinals. You win that game, you are definitely peaking at the right time, and you're going into that game full of confidence against not the strongest Liverpool side that we've seen in the last year. Let's not forget. I mean, hey, as lo- as long as Van Dijk is missing, they are not going to be <laughs> at their best, right? I think that's safe to say, considering their options at centre back. They've they've got Fabinho sacrificing for the team right now, so uh, I think that is definitely safe to say. I think we've covered pretty much everything there is for 
today. Unless, Carl, there's anything you would like to add. I mean, the only thing I wanted to add was uh, we all know that those cricket fans out there, India is playing Australia in the second test and they're, uh, they had a good day's play. And so as we talk about when majority of our teams play well on the same day, it's always uh, reason to celebrate. So hopefully that good mojo and momentum can carry on into the next day and uh, we can we can all celebrate some victories. I mean, test match cricket is a lot like the league, right? You're, you're trying to win sessions and you know that one session can just mess everything up. And this is a big session that United are in right now when we just discussed Leicester, Wolves, Aston Villa, Liverpool. You come away with hardly anything to show from these four fixtures. It can kind of derail the season and the expectations. So one out of four. We'll see how the next one goes. Until then, a reminder, we are on Twitter and Instagram now at Red Couch Banks. If you enjoy the show, please subscribe and join us after every match. Reviews and ratings are greatly appreciated. On behalf of Carl and myself, thank you for listening to Red Couch Makes.